I am a human being and I killed human beings. Before I knew it, I had fired four shots at the door. I kept on shouting for Reva to phone the police. Tests are underway to determine if a serial killer is on the loose in Centurion Pretoria. The dead won't bother you. It's the living you gotta worry about. In South Africa, 71 people are murdered every day. These are the stories of Africa's killers and criminals and what it takes to catch them. My name is Paul Llewellyn. I'm a journalist and true crime filmmaker. And my co-host, as always, to discuss crime on the continent is Jared Labaskachny, the former cop and current head of LNS Threat Management, who led the investigative psychology section of the South African Police Service from 2001 until 2016. In his time there, he worked on over 300 serial murder and rape cases and he is of course our profiler please visit our youtube page and subscribe search profiler africa we're available on apple and google podcasts soundcloud spotify simply search profiler all your favorite podcast platforms please share your favorite link um, and on the youtube page please do subscribe guys you can engage with us on our social media pages our twitter and instagram handle is at profiler africa please also join the group on facebook questions suggestions we are happy to take them um, you can also email us on profilerafricainfo at gmail.com um, do check out our social media pages there's often interesting stuff up there um, yeah and uh, uh, you know to complement the discussions that we're having to help you visualize some of the stuff that we talk about crime scene photographs etc etc so today um, as part of our ongoing effort to um, to just be better I think is the way we should simply put it to be better so that um, it's not just me and Gerard week after week conning on about um, the state of the nation. Um, much more guests. That's what we're trying to do. And uh, today we've got a real a real treat for you guys. Um, a super we're super excited to, to have him here. But I will hand over to Gerard to do the introductions. Thanks, Paul, and thanks to all the listeners. Yep, so this is a person um, who I've known literally since I joined the police uh, in 2001. Um, it's Colonel Tolly Friechtenberg. Welcome, Tolly. Thank you. Thank you Hi, Tolly. Um, Thank you. Do you mind if I call you Tolly, by please the way? Do. Please, please we've do. just met. Okay, great. Please do. <laughs> and, and as I said, someone I got to know in my career early on because at that point he was um, in Limpopo province as the coordinator for serial murder cases. So in each province, the investigative psychology unit would have a coordinator that if they heard something uh, serial related, they would inform us or vice versa. And once a case happened, they would kind of be in charge of making sure that case gets dealt with the right way. Okay. So that's how I originally got to know him. But of course, this is a guy, as you hear in a moment, who has a career that spans decades uh, in the police. Um, Can I ask you a question? In those early days of being in the police, you're meeting someone with who's kind of established in the police. Service. How, did, how did it feel for you kind of meeting these guys who are, you know, pretty pretty you know a lot more than me you have a lot of stature in their space yeah. yeah well i think you know arriving i don't i didn't always know who these people were i mean elmery who was there in the unit i mean she would introduce introduce me to these people but and obviously as not being in the cops you don't really understand when people say oh this is this person this is their background you don't have the, the, the context to really understand actually like how amazing some of these people are and what they've done and mm. The, the past they've walked. And man, most of the guys that I work with were very modest people. Like, like Tolly doesn't brag about things that he's done. It's not his nature. Yeah. It's like sort of, you know, unless blood from a stone to, to get, you know, information. Unless it comes to hunting, maybe, which we might find out about later. <laughs> you know, so, um, and that's one of the nice things that these people are not there to sort of shine their own, you know, shoulders. 
So, um, you know, it's with time you kind of really start to contextualize and understand actually how amazing these people are. And you get to know them more on, and almost like on the personal level first. Um, so, yeah, so it was interesting to, to meet all these amazing people and just obviously a privilege to get to know them and to, to keep knowing them. And it's now 21 years later and we still have contacts after I've left the police. And we'll discuss in a bit a moment, moment or two things that I've done that's uh, involved him and his unit. Yeah, it feels like this is going to be the first of an, a few discussions, I hope, because... Um, with Tolly, I'm sure we've just there is so much landscape we could cover. Absolutely, um, I think uh, if he's where, happy to definitely. But where are we going to start today, Jared? Well, Tolly, I think the logical thing is, and I, I mean, I don't want to tell people what you've done. I think I'd rather hear it from your voices. The my question I always like to ask people is, why did you become a policeman? What was it that made you join the police? Now, I know back then it was a lot of people was national service. So, had it been your idea to join permanently? So perhaps let's start, let's start there and kind of. How did your career progress from, you know, arriving the police kind of up, up to where you are now? And today we're going to focus more on the second half of the career. So if it sounds like we're skipping through all the amazing things he's done in the first half of the career, we will probably have an episode just about that. But today, ironically, we're starting with part two of his career, which is really dealing with more the counterterrorism stuff since about 2000. But like I said, what made you want to join the cops? Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, 60 years I was uh, 60 years ago I was born as a son of a policeman I grew up in the left hand side of a police van mm. and that's the only thing I ever wanted to be is a policeman um, my uh, my dad took me along we were sta- he was stationed in rural areas like now called Lepalale, Stockport border post so I grew up there my mother had other plans for me she she planned for me to be a pharmacist um, mm. Um, but but luckily my grades were too low to be allowed into, <laughs> into the Potsdam University at that, that stage. Why did she want you to become a pharmacist? My, like my mother was a pharmacist assistant, and oh, she wanted okay. she said I hope for her son. It's the, the the also the safer option of the family <laughs> business. You know? well, I just I don't know if you're going to get into it. What, what did your dad do in the police? He was he was he started as a, as a, as a normal police uh, uniform policeman. Ended up as also detective. He was one of the establishers of the uh, South African police's vehicle branch unit. Oh, wow. uh, he was well known in the vehicle branch. Legendary unit. Yes, yes. Um, well, he established Pretoria and then also assisted in Lesotho vehicle branch, uh, the Botswana vehicle branch, as well as uh, Palukwani vehicle branch. He was one of oh, the wow. members assisting there. So he was a well known, well loved character, by uh, name character, bigger than myself in statute. Um, and you're not a small man. Mm. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm in, in our, we are Dutch family, so I'm the smallest in the family. Mm. <laughs> that is so. And then what rank did he end up? Uh, he, he ended up as a warrant officer. Okay. He never, never studied further than that. He, he, he um, chose to be not, not became an officer. So, uh, but in those days, I mean, you know, I think somebody said, you know, in, in I think we discussed this previously. At, in like 94, there were like nine generals in the whole of the South African police, the whole of the South African yes. police. Mm. We have now a few hundred generals. Yeah, a few hundred. I think it's 600, if you think now. Yeah. 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 Which you, once, you, you once, I think, said to me, that's more than the British Army had at the end of World War II. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> including the commis- field commissioners, yeah. uh, generals, etc. So, so my dad... Um, but, but the point being, as a warrant officer back then, yes. was actually, it's a much higher status rank than now. I mean, you had them running stations... Yeah. 
that was, you know, warrant officers were doing a lot of the works that nowadays I think colonels and brigadiers are ending up doing. So. It, it seems like uh, inflation caught up on the ranks also because my dad was, was, was a warrant officer at the vehicle branch, but he was a captain in charge of the vehicle branch. But he was the one that calling the shots. Yeah, they're because, in charge, actually. Yeah, he's, he's, and they had more respect for him than mm. they had for the, for the, for the officer mm. that's in charge. So I always say to the, my, my colleagues now, is this, uh, inflation has catch up with the ranks in the police. <laughs> <laughs> also. But yes, um, then in 1980, um, uh, by February, I joined the South African police. I went on training. And by the end of this month, after 42 Three months from forty-three years of service, Jeez. I'm uh, going on retirement. Well, let's 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 underline that because we're recording this episode in the middle of the month, the middle of December. December. But this episode should <coughs> go out on the thirtieth of December. So, day before to, as far as everyone's concerned, for li- our listeners' sake, today is essentially the day. So when you're listening to this episode, Tomorrow. this is Tolly's final day. So talking about kind of your dad and, you know, the family history and the police, it's really the, do you have any, have you got any, any kids or that have gone into the police service as well mm-hmm. or any family in the police? Is yeah, it well, continuing? No, uh, family in the police during a time I joined uh, my, my dad and his brother, my, uh, my brother and I. Two of my sisters married policemen. Okay. Um, uh, then on my 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 far, my, my uncle's uh, four of his sons joined the police. Okay. Another uh, sister of my father's son. So we were a we are police family. Mm-hmm. We are police family. All of us. I'm the only one left uh, in the police. Okay. My child my children um, uh, took the the route uh, the route of, of teachers. Two of them are teachers and one of, one of the property managers. Okay. So. I wonder if, if it is kind of a changing, it, that reality where, where generations would go into the police. Because a lot of the people, a number of people that we I've come into contact through the podcast or recording the TV shows that we do, where we speak to a whole lot of people across the, the scope in law enforcement, you know, you'll often find that, and I often say that there's, the police these days feels like there's the excellent, you know, everyone gets upset at the kind of general their general kind of issues with the police but then there are still very much those pockets of excellence and very often it comes from a heritage a tradition of police in in the family and so you know those young those guys who are young and raised with that particular value system um to come into the police i just wonder if that reality isn't Mm. isn't kind of fading away a little i would imagine i think it is i don't know anything any scientific knowledge research to say so but i wonder if you get so much of that generational joining that is it it, um i think that the 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 current police uh service as it is is not as attractive to to, to young people as it was in the in the past but uh the norms of 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 growing up the police station is still embedded in my children Uh, for us time is very important so whenever we arrived at any any place, it's always a half an hour early. I know you were like an hour early now today. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 even my my my, my children and my grand granddaughter also, uh, who's only nine years old, uh, is always a quarter of an hour in time before the event starts. Mm. She's there. So it. that is natural for us. Yeah. Uh, that is a discipline of of, of of being growing up in a police house, yeah. um, and uh, I never. Um, never had any problem 
It's got to be up like that. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. teaching my children are the same. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes earlier is on time. I've, I've yeah. always lived by that creed myself. And I mean, I just want to emphasize, 42 years, you don't get a lot of policemen who do 42 years mm-hmm. of service. Yeah. You get, I think you get, there was a generation of guys who like, some who when, when you could still join, there was a generation of guys, some you could join when you were like 16. You know, I remember there was a guy, old Derek um, from Peter Maritzburg, old cop when I met him back in 2000. And he like joined, which I think he was 16. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he ended up having, I don't know how many years service there by that point, but it was, you don't get a lot of people like that. And overseas, the typical thing in the United States, people serve 20 years. That's your period of service in the military, typically, and policing is 20 years. Then you go on full retirement, yeah. full retirement. Wow. So a lot of cops who joined when they were 20, by 40, they're starting a second career yeah. with full retirement. Some of them go to a new police agency and start up again with a mm. new period of service or some sort of businesses. So 42 years of this kind of work is, it's, it's like that's, you should just get a medal for that because it's, it's a lot for a human being to have to deal with. How, how do you feel now? That um, you're retiring. How do well, if you yeah, reflect very on sad. it? Uh, I think there's still still some mileage left in me. I'm relieved um, the, uh, by the fact that uh, I've done my time, but also sad. Um, I'm going to miss the work. I'm going to miss the camaraderie. I'm going to miss the the friends, uh, the friendships, and I'm going to miss the adventure. <laughs> yeah, that I can tell you. For, relate, for yeah. me, is if you look at my career, it's just, I did the most. Dangerous jobs of all the jobs in the police, um, uh, and that was I. Uh, adrenaline is, is to be addicted to adrenaline is, is quite a quite yeah. a, quite a, a thing. And Which is funny because I've always known you as probably one of the calmest people I've yeah. ever met. I've never ever seen you angry. Yeah. You are like in total control. At least on the surface, it looks like you're in total control and you're dealing with phenomenally, you know, country influencing issues. Yes. So, I mean, it's funny that you say you're hyperactive <laughs> and you're an adrenaline, but you're, I've always just experienced one of the most calmest people I've ever known. I'm good at hiding it. <laughs> <laughs> good at hiding it. But that is, uh, that is so for me. Um, this was uh, the, my police career. was not a career. It was a calling. Mm. It's a calling for me uh, and it was an adventure from day one until... Mm. Until today, when my career ends, it's 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 adventure, uh, adventure that's gone, um, uh, and I will do it all over again if I if I mm. were given a choice. So how did it go? So let's, you said yeah, you let's joined, jump into joined some of those adventures. I think yeah. you said so. You go to the college, yeah. and how does that? Yeah, so, so from uh, from a college uh, late nineteen eighty, when I uh, um, we had our passing outbreak, I was stationed at Petura Petura Central, um, and I was the real uh, first camp guard. Camp guard, really? Yes, you have to, to protect the police station, um, stand, do camp, camp, camp guard duties around the police station. Then the bobby on the beat, walking foot patrols around in Pretoria, uh, in Pretoria CBD, Pretoria Central, and that's where I, I met my wife, um, lady sitting on, on, on the stoop of a flat, and I said, can you make coffee? And she said, she, she can. <laughs> and uh, for 38 years now, we are married, <laughs> same woman still. <laughs> So that is a romantic part, and that's the only romantic thing that I ever did in my life. So. <laughs> um, then um, from there on, uh, my career just launched. Uh, by eventually, by um, 80, 86, I managed to, to get my transfer to the detectives, where I, that's the place where I wanted to be. Mm. Um, started my career in, in a detective as in a tracing unit with uh, one of my mentors, uh, Sergeant Willis Shuka, that... that, that, that uh, it actually groomed me to how to hunt men. We oh, were really? a, we were a train, train, tracing unit of, of, the, of our detective branch at Amon Skrull. 
And we had so did you join the detectives in Hammanskral? At Hammanskral, okay, yes. So yeah, from Pretoria yeah. to Hammanskral. Yes, yes. So in Hammanskral, uh, during that time, um, the Bukhtatswana was uh, was still an uh, independent country from South Africa. Uh, my house is uh, back fence, the Bukhtatswana border. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's, that's how close we stay. And our influence in Bukhtatswana, that uh, information network made it... Um, made the two of us very popular by all the detectives in Pretoria and the greater part of, of the country to trace any suspects in, in Bhutatswana. So mm. we became well known for our, our work there. Um, skipping that, um, 92, I, I became a, a commissioned officer and was transferred to, 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 to Wombas, uh, now known as Bella Bella, um, as a very young... Still in the detective service? Yeah, still as, as, as a branch commander of the detective services in Bella and Wombas. Arriving there, um, the, the, the warrant officers on my, as we discussed earlier, the warrant officers on my, on, on my detective unit were the, the peers of my, of my father, the same age as my father. Mm. So this is just young guy. I was going to say, because you must have been quite young then to <laughs> yes. be a warrant officer. Yeah, to be a lieutenant, yes. I was very, very, very young. And then I, I, I met up with this old warrant officers, established detectives. Um, but... I managed him by, by just calling them in and said, listen, uh, we call them uh, in, in, in Afrikaans, if you, if, you, if you address a person uh, as um, you show them very much respect. Mm. And I told all of the ums, we're going to work together. You're not going to work against me and I'm not going to work against you. And from there on, I had one of the... So you were their supervisor, I was, manager? I was, the, the, I was the boss, yeah. I was the commander, but they were my, my subordinates. But I brought all three of them in my office and we agreed that uh, they're going to support me. And, and did each of them have people underneath them that they were managing? Yes. So yes. that was three groups, detective yes. groups. Underneath, underneath them that they managed. Um, and they took care of it. They, just, they, they took care of the dis discipline in the section. They took care of the operational work on the, on, on the unit, everything. The greatest time, uh, greatest, one of the greatest units I worked with is my detective unit at, at Wombas. Um, uh, we were so well... Um, uh, Known in, in the province that uh, we were called to other crime scenes in other parts of the province oh, and yeah. the uh, province to assist there. Um, um, and then, by by our successes, uh, by '96. Um, and sorry, what what kind of crimes did you deal with at a detective yeah. branch at Bella? I think it's, it's a normal normal um, uh, normal day to day crime: assault, GBH, assaults, uh, vehicle accidents, up to farm attacks, murders, serious mm -hmm. farm attacks. So um, in my in my unit, the Warrenbad uh, detective unit, we 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 did that quite good on on solving farm murders and farm attacks, mm. and, and that, that that led to the next phase in my career. Is when in '96 they they, they um, wanted to me they called me uh, while I was called by my superiors in Palokwane uh, to establish a murder robbery unit uh, in in Morimoli in Nystrom and called the Bushveld murder robbery unit. And that's about half, about half now north of Bella Bella. Yeah, thirty k's, thirty k's north of Bella Bella. Yes, but it served the whole Bushveld area, um, the farthest point north of Platjan border post, down Limpopo to the airport close to Rasenburg, and then at the end was Grobsdal Marble Hall. So what kind of what kind of distances are you talking about for people who don't know that area? It's long, long distances. Sometimes on our crime scenes we have to travel uh, five hundred k's to our crime scenes wow. through uh, through the Bushveld. So you have a, if you have a night trans, uh, a night crime scene, you have to travel during night, uh, dodging donkeys, kudus, <laughs> cattle, mm. 
etc., etc. Mm. And I mean, just before we go into the murder and robbery part, I mean, and I've often heard this said, is that your, your station detectives in the Platteland, which is like the sort of more rural areas, I mean, you, t- you tend to do everything. Whereas maybe in the cities, you might be focusing on one or two, or you get certain types of crimes. You, you kind of have to cover the spectrum of stuff on these smaller areas because there's nobody else but you to really deal with those. So I think that's often said it's a wonderful learning experience because of that wide range of stuff you, you kind of get involved in. Um, that, that is, for a, for a detective, the best thing for a detective to be trained is on a rural area because you get, uh, you get in contact with all the crimes from the most serious to the most... Um, less serious cases that is so you get experience in, in, in handling family disputes to to handling murders mm. so and that that is that that was uh, uh them to uh, well, the, my, my commanders to, to ask me to, to establish the murder robbery unit and i was sort of only time in my career and doesn't that happen often uh, give you a card launch to pick my members oh wow nice and i picked my members i picked the best of the best from the detectives in in the bushard area okay a well-known detective today is, uh, is a private sector, Saki Lawrence. He was in charge of my tracing team. Um, the, the person that investigated the Molly monster in their career was... was, was mm. I mean, I worked on quite a few serials in that area with, with Saki Lawrence and, that, and I mean, just amazing, amazing guys. And as you say, he's now left the police and does private uh, investigation works. Also very successful still in, in that area. So yeah. quite a... Amazing guy. Yes. Well, I mean, the part of your role then is kind of identifying talent. Yes. Um, you know, what are some of the key things that you would look for? So I, I could tell you about one guy, um, Willem Nell. Um, uh, he was never a detective. He was working at, in, in, the, in, the, in the client service, a charts office. But I saw the quality of, of case docket that he presented when once we go and sign for it. And I told him, listen, Take it, I want you at murder robbery, see, but I've got no no <coughs> experience in, in detective work. I said, I will teach you. And with it, did everybody have to go on a detective course those days? Or no. was it not? It, it just, it was is that just because he had a certain way of just handling, yes. you know, because he was a logical thinker, he logical was able thinker. to gather information, manage it well, so showed some of the traits that could be well yes. transferred into... into exactly. He was, he, was, he was a guy that I could see... Uh, he's, he's a perfectionist, like myself, firstly. And then so what I did in the unit, I, I split the unit in two parts. It's, it's my, docket, uh, my docket unit, the guys that take the dockets uh, to court. And then my tracing unit, that is the one on the, on the, on the ground that tracing the suspect. So my docket units, I had guys like, like Indra Creer and Willendel, especially because of perfectionism. Mm. And whenever you give him a docket, it is uh, a docket is a case. Uh, it's going to be done hundred percent, hundred percent. And and between them, they had they had a, for the whole duration of that because that unit I opened up and I closed down. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, they the two between the two of them and Tommy from Blerk, um, they had a hundred percent conviction rate wow. for the whole whole during uh, duration of the, of the unit. Um, they were excellent investigators. They could put the puzzle together from the crime scene mm. to the to sentence in court. And, and what kind of stuff with the murder, what was the murder and robbery mandate specifically to deal with? So for us, it was uh, all the, all the, um, the, the, the murders, um, whether the suspect is unknown, uh, farm attacks, especially in our area, farm attacks, farm murders, farm attacks, then the cash and transfer robberies, um, robberies of a certain value, um, like that. Uh, but in our area, the most 
most of the crimes that we dealt with was from the text. Um, when we established the unit, and, 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 uh, and that is a, for a for Sunday, a, a long, a long um, interview. Uh, when we established the unit, there was, uh, during that, uh, 96, there was 27 farm murders sure. in, 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 in the Bogusfeld area. Just that area. Yeah. Was this a relatively new time? How, 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 you know, how far back were farm murders occurring? When did that type of crime start to happen? Because I did want to ask, what was it like? Because that was quite a, quite an interesting, you know, obviously a very interesting period in kind of local history, that transition from the apartheid government to the new government navigating that period. And did, were farm murders kind of a, a component of that transition? Or was it something that was happening prior to kind of the 90s as well? The f- first time we, we got uh, involved in, 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 in farm murders was in, in, from 92. Okay. Uh, that was, became, um, it was maybe one or two attacks on farms before that, but, but uh, it became more serious yeah. from 92 okay. uh, and, and became more a problem from 92. Uh, hence, um, they wanted me to, to, to establish a murder robbery unit who could especially um, deal with the farm attacks mm. in the area. Okay. What was it like for you navigating that transition and for your colleagues? Was it just... Any thoughts on that period? We're talking about uh, the, from, yeah. from the old saps. Yeah, to the going new. yeah from the old saps to the. Oh, so that is a story on itself. Um, uh, I, I read the book of Peter Dirk Ace, the satirist, uh, "Adapt or Die," but the book, is, the story in the book is not. But I used the name. I have to adapt to the New South Africa, of, or I had to die. Mm. I decided to adapt to New South Africa, and that is it. Mm. Uh, all of my members adapt to New South Africa. One of two of them at that stage, the policemen were. Um, even opportunity to to take uh, servants packages and my sec and my unit in Bella Bella only one took. Okay. The rest of them stayed behind. They they're ready for the new South Africa mm. and they uh, even the old guys stayed behind and we all of them served their times out in the, in the police. So we stayed behind and uh, we adapted to New South Africa and we challenged, we took the challenge head on. Yeah. Uh, it was for us uh, the trans uh, transformation from 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 um, from the South African Police Force, the South African Police Service was not difficult. It's the same work, just the, the date stamp that changed mm. uh, yeah. and, and the readings of, of, the, of the paper. Mention the uniforms a little bit. In the, yes, um, yeah. Yeah, the but perhaps, uh, and you know, if you're interested in kind of being an investigator, I would imagine with a kind of a renewed focus on a bigger portion of the population, you know, you get in presumably kind of more a, a wider array of crimes, uh, yes. you know, more interesting crimes even to deal with if you yes. possibly. Yes, so, so what, what happened, including in our province, was, was all the, the homelands of Venda, uh, Kazankulu, um, uh, Leboa, uh, and Guiani, uh, which was incorporated into our province, and they had to amalgamate into, into the South African police, all those different police. And that also made our area of, of what we have to service Bigger, bigger. Mm. much bigger, mm. um, and then we, we, it was quite a quite a interesting for us. Uh, I was inspecting while I was a commander at Wombas. I was part of a team that was uh, uh, assisting with the amalgamation, and uh, I did a docket inspection at, at a small police station called Gilead, and I received a docket and s- with a crime uh, act on it and, see, and calling with a crime, calling the, each other a witch. <laughs> really. I said, what is this? So, but in the Labo- 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 government, the Laboa homeland, 
that was a that was a crime. Mm. If you if you accuse somebody of of, of witchcraft, that is a crime, because the result of that is is, is murder. The person mm. is getting murdered. So that is a new thing, small challenges that you yeah. have to, you have to, yeah. and, and the work, work ethics, etc. cetera. Um, uh, but eventually, um, when, when I selected my murder robber unit, I, from the old Laboa police, it was about seven of them, that I incorporated my, I saw that during my amalgamation mm. inspection that this is got, this is persons of talent. Because yeah. that was going to be my question, what was the difference in standards? Were there yeah. some yeah. really yeah. great people, so that's great, what? There was, it was, on the both spectrums of, 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 of it, the very, very good ones and the very bad ones. Mm. Um, so the very okay. bad ones, we, we did uh, eventually transfer back to the, to the uniform branch. Uh, the, the very, the, the best of the best I, I recruited for my murder robbery unit. So, so how many people were then at the biggest point in time working in that unit? 27, 27, 27 in total. And three groups? Or yeah, uh, yeah uh, now two groups uh, in the unit. It was a tracing group and a court group. But the tracing group was divided in two. Um, working uh, the way that they work is they come Monday to office. I uh, they have to get the taskings, and I don't want to see them before Friday. Okay. I, you, you don't take a person from your office. You, you go mm. out in the, in the in the field and you trace it. So, but sometimes you have to have them at least some time at home. Married guys. So, yeah. Yeah. So so you have some. Um, one group was closer to home. And the, ex, the other group will be doing the whole country. And then next week they switch around mm. and tracing their suspects. But that is the manager. And we are also, um, uh, yesterday, yesterday I, I was reading that book of, of, of Ambrose on Band of Brothers. Mm. And we called ourselves uh, the Band of Brothers. That, okay. And we still, last, we had, we had, last year we had our uh, um, 21st uh, reunion. And all mm. those alive still pitched up there. And nice. Yeah, remember oh the old days. Uh, Let's take a little bit of a breather. Please visit our YouTube page and subscribe. Search Profiler Africa. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. Simply search Profiler. Please share your favorite link. You can engage with us on our social media pages. Our Twitter and Instagram handle is at Profiler Africa. Please also join the group on Facebook. And uh, yeah, we're happy to field any questions or suggestions that you might have. Um, you can also email us on ProfilerAfricaInfo at gmail.com. Back in a second. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're just continuing our conversation. And the one thing that I noticed, you, you, you mentioned the spectrum of cases that you were dealing with in the murder and robbery unit. But of course, there were also things like serial murders mm. that, that you were investigating. And I think Rutia Biermann's case, was that also part of yours? The yeah. woman who got a murdered her husband? So you also had that spectrum of stuff? Yeah. So um, we, were, uh, we were the second group trained um, in South Africa on serial, serial murders by Mickey Pistorius, your predecessor in the unit, and Elmarie that is still there. Mm. Um, uh, excellent, most one of the best courses I ever attended in my in my career. Uh, one of our, my classmates was well-known Piet Meilerfeld. Mm. Um, then after, I would, during that time, the serial killing 
serial medical course was divided in a basic and advanced. After the advanced course, or during the advanced course, one of my member of one of the attendees in in in, in, in Venda, Toyondo, said that he thinks there's a serial killer in his in his area. And we said, okay, let's establish a team. So we established a team. Uh, uh, Jan van der Merwe, Aaron Espach, and myself, uh, uh, Kuala, uh, as well as um, Pence, which is also a, the... the yes, for Lele. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> so we went up to Tutuandau uh, on the Monday. And this is now outside of your normal area Yeah, that's of out of like the so now you're doing 500 kilometers away from my, from my office. So I went up there. And that's because of the training you had in serial yes. stuff. Now you had almost like a, a province, potentially provincial-wide responding to assist yes. with at, at that stage already, I was uh, responsible for all the serial killings in, in the yeah, in, in, in the Limpopo province, province as it was established. So we went up there um, on the Monday. By the Tuesday, we identified a possible suspect. By the Wednesday, we searched his house in, in, in the Toyondo area. And from, from, from the collateral evidence that we saw, they said, no, this is the right guy. Um, and the next week, Monday morning at 7 o'clock, Inca Gise, we arrested him, David wow. Mbengwa. Sure. By that time, it was uh, called a, a world record. Uh, sure. from, yeah. yeah, seven days. Sure. Uh, from, from, from establishing the team until arresting. How many people did he, did um, he eventually? He, he killed seven, um, seven people. Um, the first one a policeman, the last one a policeman, but uh, he's, what he was doing, he was stalking people in the bushes, um, especially during lunchtime where the, 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 the man and the woman were having close relationships and vehicles in the bushes, and then he was killing the men, not the woman. Okay. Is that the one given the name, the Lover's Lane? Yes. Yeah, was, okay, because before my time, but I yes, remember uh, the before I remember your the names. time, Lover's Lane, serial killer. Yeah. <coughs> and what is what in, quite interesting on this is, um, Elmerie did a... Uh, during that time, we were still doing profiles. Mm. So we did a profile on, on, on this person based on three cases. Um, and uh, a profile was on the spot, 100%. Mm. Can I ex- ask a question that kind of expands a bit on that? Because it must have been, a, you know, this is a period when in South Africa, these, these kinds of new ideas, profiling, etc. I mean, in the world, these are relatively new concepts, which are really with Mickey Pistorius coming into the police are really becoming established tools, you know, that you're adding to your arsenal. Um, and engaging with someone like Mickey Pistorius in that period and going through that training and learning about something like profiling, was it a case of just crystallizing ideas that you already applied? Um, were already part of your toolbox, toolkit. So one, one of the things that Mickey uh, uh, teach me during that, that time was to, to know your suspect before you arrest him, mm-hmm. to know him by heart before you arrest him. And up to today, I still apply that, mm. what she told me. I did apply it uh, before unknowingly. Yeah, mm. yeah exactly. Yeah. And no, unknowingly, it was in my toolbox, but I never did it uh, so specifically, concentrating yeah. it. And if, if you come to our successes of our farm attacks, it will also applicable to that, mm. the way how, how we managed to make the successes. Yeah. So yes, that was completely new, um, but it, it is interesting. Mickey herself was a very, uh, is a very eccentric, eccentric <laughs> person. So I've heard. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, nice to work with her, but very eccentric. Um, then uh, going back to David and Bengwa, uh, we arrested yeah. him five at, uh, seven o'clock in the morning in Kogisha when everybody wa- was going to work. No, that's your um, in, 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 Kauteng, so Kauteng, yes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We tra- he, he fled the Venda area when he heard we were 
uh, onto him, and then he moved to Kachisha, but we traced him there, we arrested him. I phoned um, Elmarie on, uh, uh, and said, I'm, I'm, I, have, I have him. Um, please prepare an interview room there by, the, by your office in Pretoria. We arrived there. Um, Elmarie, uh, Pence and I uh, took David into the, into the office, into the interview room. Hour and a half, he confessed to all the murders. Um, he made a point in out, make a confession, um, and that was purely by 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 knowing mm-hmm. what yeah. he what he who he was and what he was uh, during the, the time he spent in the previous week in Linda uh, and 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 identifying his by name. I interviewed his mother and his sister and learned about his childhood and, and all that fit, fitted in with Elmer's profile. Okay. So we can use the profile and as also my knowledge about his childhood and his growing up and all, all the all the fantasies came from and that mm-hmm. exactly he just flabbergasted me admitted to all the crimes. Um, so, so despite him pleading guilty and um, doing a confession pointed out, did he plead guilty? No, no, he didn't plead, <laughs> he didn't plead guilty. Um, so he organized me an eighteen month trip to Toyondo. So I stayed uh, Jan and I, Jan van Mer and I stayed in Toyondo for eighteen months. For the trial, but he was convicted on, on all seven charges of, of, of murder and sentenced to seven, and life, seven times life and another 600 years for lesser charges. So he's still serving time. He will never be see the outside of the prison again. That was quite a quite a highlight for us in, yeah. in our career. Absolutely. And after that, we did I did uh, two other serial killers in uh, in in, uh, in the Portuguese the Mokopane area, where young boy young boys was was involved. Uh, been raped, etc. And just one day on the last scene, I called Elmer and I said, I'm done. I finished with, with, with dead children. I'm yeah. done. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, by that time, it was a combination of, of, of uh, closing down of the murder robbery units. There's lots of stuff going on. And mm-hmm. so, so it was time to, to call that part of, of my career. Yeah. Uh, so Did that align with just kind of a natural kind of evolution of where maybe your interest in policing lay as well? Were there? Did you have a view to not only do I feel like this is it's time for me to take a breather from these types of cases, which I'm sure are emotionally very taxing, but was it also a case of there are actually other areas that I would like to explore when it comes to law the, enforcement? What happened that during that time is the the. the uh, uh, the then Jackie Shalabia, then Commissioner, closed down a specialized unit. They closed down. The oh, because this was 2006. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. No, 2000, um, to, uh, 2000, yeah, 2000, 2001. He closed down the murder and robbery. Murder and robbery first. Okay. Yes, and then he, he converted it, it into into serious violent crime. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about resigning. Uh, I, I was I was seriously thinking about resigning mm. because my the passion is gone. Yeah, the passion is gone. This seems to be a critical period, and I don't want to harp on about the decline of the police. In a sense, I don't want to. You know, our, our what we do here is not. We you know we don't talk negatively about the police, but we I think we're certainly critical of kind of the realities today. It seems like the Jackie Salibi period was the start of quite a big exodus from the police. Why was that an important period? What was it that happened there that was so... Could you just explain, like, the closing down of these of centralized units, etc. Why was that so impactful, it seems, on the police that we see, and we see that today with the police that we have today? Uh, 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 I, I, I um, came to know Jackie Sleepy very well, uh, okay. but later, uh, in person, uh, okay. I came to know him very well. But during that time, his motivation for closing down the specialized units 
is to decentralize it and put it on the police station level at the general detective level. Hmm. So that That's a 2006 decision yeah, that I was referring to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. So just for the listeners, there was a two, early 2000s decision to make the murder and robbery units into serious Nirvana crime yes. units, which would then incorporate like your firearms unit, which should have been a separate unit before. So almost like, you know, your taxi violence, your hijackings, which were different specialized units, they wanted to consolidate under one unit. Yes, that is, that's so you correct. still have the little divisions yeah. within it, yes. and that's what you're referring to about 2000-ish. Yes, yes. And then later, just for the, the for the listener's sake, in 2006, he decided to shut down those serious and violent crime units and the child protection units and which other units? All the units, all the specialized units. The only unit they, they kept over specialized unit was a stock theft unit. And then, and then they said stations must do this. Yeah, okay, so that's you might have heard me listeners speaking about that before. Yeah. Yes, yeah. My, my cynical perspective sometimes, my cynical thought on that was that, uh, um, you know, if you want to do corruption, you can't just shut down the corruption, the anti-fraud unit or the anti-corruption unit. Mm-hmm. You've got to kind of make it a policy across the board. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something very controversial now. Um, uh, the murder robbery units, uh, we think, we all of us speculated, was closed down. Uh, because we were cutting off the money flow to the political parties okay. by addressing the cash and transits in in a serious, very successful area. Okay. That is my personal mm-hmm. opinion. Okay. Um, is that closing down the SVC units or the earlier murder robbery units? Murder robbery okay. units and also the SVC and units, yes, uh, because okay. they were continuing um, uh, solving the, the cash and transit robbery, the 30 million year, 60 million there, 90 million. Because I recall when I joined 2001, you know, we were based down the passage from Operation Greed, which was headed by Colonel Vinal Fulyun, yes. which was a national response to dealing with cash and transit, proactively, you name it. Mm-hmm. And they were always bloody busy, always going out on proactive operations, arresting people. Yes. And it just seems like once that was shut down, that all just ended. Yeah, but it's installed today. It's <laughs> just like free for all, carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but back to the question, why you, you wanted to leave, when they shut yeah. down murder yes. and robbery. Wow. So, yes. so what, what, is your, what was your reason for so, so we, they shut down murder and robbery and they established serious violent crime. So um, my rank was, was too high for, for, I was at that stage a lieutenant colonel uh, or a superintendent. My rank was too high for the unit. Uh, so they put in place a very competent person at serious violent crime, Captain Renier Schutte. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, most of my members, uh, actually as, as, as a compliment to myself during that time, uh, the, the other detective units in, in our area was upgraded to captain levels and, and uh, nine of my murder robber units were promoted, promoted to warrant officer captains and being appointed to station well, detective branch, command, branch yeah. commanders. In, so that's a compliment to me. Mm. That, uh, I, I, they were, they were they deemed to be good enough to, yeah. to, to take over all branch. Yes, um, and then uh, I, was, I was placed at, 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 at the area head office uh, as a deputy area head detective services. I was sitting in front of an empty desk for six months. Sure. Wow. Now that was uh, that that caused me nearly to 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 uh, to, to resign from the police and and uh, looking for what caused you not to resign from the police. Um, one day I received a call. Uh, I can on time date exactly on on, on the sixteenth of September, uh, two thousand and two. A friend of mine who was always also. Um, uh, uh, ex-murder robbery commander that is now stationed at SVC in, in Pretoria, same offices uh, where, where Gerard was sitting, called me uh, on the phone and said, listen, there's a crime scene um, in, in, in Bella Bella on a farm. Um, there is no detectives there. There's only crime intelligence people there. Just send somebody there from serious violent crime and have a look what is going on there. 
So me staying in, in, in Bella Bella, I just decided, well, let, let me uh, drive down there myself. Mm-hmm. Went on the, uh, uh, on the scene, I found the crime intelligence guys there. Um, it was on a well-known farmer, one of the mega farmers in Bella Bella, um, Gerald van Rooyen's farm at his, his son's house. And I stepped into the Burumach case. Okay. That is it. That is the beginning of my involvement in the case. And from there on, my life took a 90-degree turn. Okay. My career took a 90-degree turn. The new challenge arrived, and then I got involved in investigation of terrorism. Just by not sending somebody to the crime scene, <laughs> yeah. myself. Yeah. I always say that I always have to think back to my own career. There were certain things that, that it's just it's luck. It, or, yeah. or somebody above... Yeah. Mm-hmm sent you there um, because just certain things happen that it just triggers off amazing other things that happen. It kind of sounds like one of those those particular moments. Yeah. I, I often say success is being in the way of, or putting yourself in the way of opportunity, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> and my, my daughter, my eldest daughter, called it the Forrest Gump moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, is, that, that was my Forrest Gump moment, yeah. being there at the right place. Um, and, and as you this is now the next 20 years up until now yes, of your career is yes, kind of the second yes. phase of what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So this is kind of what I refer to as your counter-terrorism years. That's, yeah. that's when my counter-terrorism years started. Um, having not, not lots of knowledge about investigation of terrorism, but being a seasoned investigator and, and applying the, the basic, of, of, uh, basic principles of investigation, um, I was involved in a, a point that the, the, the Chief Investigating Officer of the Burumach team. Okay. Um, I had 10 investigators with me. And we you then relocated to Pretoria for that? Yes, I was, I was um, uh, what they call it, detachment duty center Pretoria. My family stayed behind in Bella Bella. Uh, we're still staying there, so they stayed behind in Bella Bella. Um, so my team consisted of members of, of uh, two, uh, one of my members from from, from Marimoli Murder Robbery Unit. Um, guys from Klerstorp and from Luchtenburg and then also from Pretoria. And we established a team in Pretoria and we worked together. We stayed in Pretoria and only went home for uh, home uh, every every weekend. For me, it uh, was 10 years that I, I was only a weekend father hmm. at home. So in a nutshell, for people that might not even be being born um, when this happened. What was the Burma case about? I know, I mean, we could we could spend like five episodes discussing this whole, because it went mm-hmm. on forever in, t- in terms mm-hmm. of the trial. Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, what was it about when you say the Burma? That was a right-wing extremist group um, that uh, in short wanted to, to overthrow the government of South Africa by means of an armed conflict and cause a racial war in South Africa to re-establish um, in the northern parts of South Africa, uh, a white state that's ruled by the whites. Uh, uh, with oh, no just, just the northern parts, that's Yeah, so from, from the middle, um, their line was uh, Bluefontein uh, was the most southern part. Uh, and from there on, they said um, they said they will give um, the Cape to the, the Cape province, south of Bluefontein, will give it to the color, color people. But the northern parts of the country, from from Bluefontein straight line up north, is is is, is, <laughs> is the Bura, uh, the Bura start with what they want to establish there. Uh, they the plan was to 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 attack army bases, uh, take over the armament, and then uh, attack the country with with, with the army armies, uh, the hardware, uh, cannons, panzer uh, vehicles, uh, tanks and stuff like tanks that. and that kind of stuff. Um, I always say. Um, the plan was not a very good plan. The plan is known to us as Document 12. It is a written plan that I, that I, I recovered. Um, 
and the plan is, uh, is, is any plan is a plan, but in the execution of a plan you can fail, but in the execution of a failed plan many people can die. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of fear and terror. That is, um, that is exactly so. The plan itself was uh, uh, evaluated as, a, as the worst plan ever, but it was there. One of the plans was, one of the steps was to, to, to once they got um, hold of, of, of cannons from the, from the, the, the defense force, the place itself of Soweto, shoot into Soweto for a day and then allow the Soweto population to move northwards, northwards, allow them to sleep over the next day. They were going to start shooting where they are again until they pushed him back into Zimbabwe. It's a stupid plan. Like how many people did they have and, and did they expect the population, like I know what the case we're going to discuss yeah. later, they expect the population of white people to rise up and support yeah. this. So so, th- so they were planning, and if you look at uh, the terrorism and the revolutions, they were planning a, a, a uh, popular revolution like the like the French Revolution as well as the Cuban Revolution where one or two people started and the, and the, and the crowd just joined them. That so they like totally misread the audience here. Yes, they did mis- <laughs> misread the audience. They yeah. completely misread the audience. So at the most, on, on document 12, there was 500 names. Mm. Um, uh, eventually, the biggest that, uh, that they getting that they had was on the, on the, on the, on the uh, 13th or 12th of, of September 2002. There was with 27 people pitch up uh, and they were at the farm in Molimoli. And they were traveling down to 2002. 2002, yes. And they were that was should have been their first attack, um, and they planned to, to to explode 18 car bombs in Houting, uh, Pretoria, and Johannesburg. Sure, okay. uh, so two days later, I, I became involved in, in in the case. And practically, how then did you walk into this case? What was it that, that with this farm murder? What actually happened that got you? So, so this farmer was well known to me. Herman van Rooyen is well known to me. Uh, during our, our murder robbery unit days, we. Uh, and the farm attacks, we established a, a working plan where we involved uh, then uh, on every town at a little commando, um, the, the voluntary uh, army personnel. Van Ruyen was, 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 was the leader or the commander, captain at the local commando's reaction unit and assisted us on, on various uh, farm attacks areas. Uh, Van Ruyen was, was assisting us and I, I know him very well. Um, um, on the crime scene, when I, that scene I attended on, on the 15th, uh, I was not informed by, by the crime intelligence exactly what was going on, but I could, uh, being a detective, I, I made some deductions. Hmm. Uh, and the, the story goes, it, it is so, in, um, I know exactly what the, uh, how um, he's, who was in his uh, reaction unit, the commander. And on the way back from the farm to, to Bella Bella, I drove past one of his, his, his members of his action force. I saw that there was somebody at home. At that time, uh, sorry, just to return, um, on the 15th when I was on the farm of Van Rooyen, there was nobody at the farm. Um, he was not there, and nobody could, could tell me where he was. I, I drove back to Bella Bella, um, and I uh, drove past one of the guys called Blackie. He was a sergeant major of the, of the commando, uh, and I stopped at his farm. And, Blackie also, I know him very well as, as a personal friend, um, stopped and he didn't open the door. I knocked, then he opened the door uh, and he was very aggressive towards me. I said, listen, Blackie, what did you and Farouin do? You must come and talk to me. You, you're going to end up, if you behind in jail. And he closed the door and I went on with my normal life. The second day, the day after that, um, 
he phoned me and said, can I, can I please come and see you? And then he spoiled the beans. He told me everything about what was what the plan was, what um, he was in charge of, of, of renting the vehicles at Avis in, in um, Ouartambu, where the 18 car bonds would have pl- uh, placed in. He showed me the place in Lombardy East where they where the vehicles, Avis vehicles was parked. And were they supposed to go off and, and sort of put in inverted commas black areas, traditionally no, no. black townships? Or no, where? no. The, 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 the 13th of September was, was the targets. We actually found a list, a written list of, of, of targets was was all the main taxi ranks in Gauteng. Okay. Um, it was a JSE. It was the Nikok at that stage. Um, it was uh, the Reserve Bank. Um, it was um, Santon City. Shopping mall. Uh, shopping mall, yes, it is. Uh, were they trying to do that to make it look like that was planted by so-called yes. black terrorists? So, so what, what they wanted to do, they wanted to... Um, the, the, the bombs would have exploded at 3 o'clock on the Friday the 13th. That is, uh, at the taxi ranks, that is when it's the most busy. Um, and that on a Friday afternoon, if 18 car bombs goes off on a Friday afternoon, it will be total chaos. Mm-hmm. Sure, and, yeah. Uh, it will be total chaos in, in Houting. Um, mm-hmm. And then... They will, they will start with the, with the attack on, on, on Soweto. And then the popular enjoyment uh, of the rest of the population they wanted to, they expected, will happen. Uh, but on the plan failed. They did not even reach Gauteng. They stopped um, from Morimoli at Farouin's family. They disbanded the group. They, they did not. And okay. So what, what, what Black is for? told me is that uh, he saw on the, on, 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 on the news on the Saturday, the 14th, that there was a truck recovered in Lichtenberg. They call it a long truck full of uh, ammunition and explosives. They said that was part of the convoy. That's where they yeah. carried the... But he, he could not see the bombs on the television. He also could not see the, the uh, explosives. So one night he took me to the place on the farm of Norwegian where they dispersed, they, they went on the 13th, they stopped and dispersed. And I took a, a, a explosive dog, Grandler, with me. And the moment we took out the dog from the, from the vehicle, the dog immediately lay down and indicated there's something. Yeah, there's yeah. a huge amount of explosives mm-hmm. here. But they, we couldn't find any there. So uh, <coughs> by two days, uh, 4th of October, um, here in the middle of the night, I received a call from one of my informers telling me that yes, his, uh, Van Rooyen's father wants to speak to me, but he wants his other son, Alan, uh, to come out and would not be arrested, but he will show me where the bombs and the explosives are. And then that time of the morning, phoning up and down to to the offices of, of, of Louis Bester um, and getting the assurance that we can use this guy as an informer and not as... Well. And Louis Best was the head of the Crimes Against the State uh, unit. Then. Yeah, he was head of the Crimes Against the State unit at that stage. Um, up and down, phone calls, here by 6 o'clock I got the permission that we can use him as a uh, as an informer and he, as, as long as he uh, open and honest to us and give us the, uh, the location of the bombs. Mm-hmm. So Vickers, Hattung uh, uh, and I, because he's, he's a bomb expert, uh, bomb squad guy from Marimoli, he drove to the farm. This young man, uh, Alan, uh, first showed us in the shed behind the, the house, uh, on the top behind some bags that laying the um, uh, 21, 20 liters cans of, of explosive, anfo explosives. Sure. And that was quite a lot of explosives. Yeah. <laughs> so me not being trained as explosive unit guy, 
I stood away about a kilometer from me. <laughs> <laughs> that is Vigas's job. I told him that is your job. I'm leaving. And then I made the phone calls. And next, Alan took us to another place. We, we secured that scene. We locked it down. That was shit. Um, he took us to another place on the farm in the bushes there. We could see there's fresh um, marks in the ground. There was something buried there. Okay. Um, and Vickers and I make a walk around and we see two, two wires sticking out of the ground. They said, okay, this is not for us. Yeah. I, mean, I moved away a kilometer about. Made the phone calls to, to Lee Bester. Next arrive um, about seven helicopters. Sure. Police helicopters. I don't know the police had so many helicopters. <laughs> uh, one of the choppers was uh, Jackie Salemi. Arriving there. It was uh, then the National Commission. National Commission at that stage. And then that's where I physically met him okay. the first time. Um, we discovered when, when it, that also the task force was, uh, luckily task force was in most of the other choppers, um, a special task force, and they were on the leadership of the late Mike Freyer. They, uh, with the explosives unit, opened that, uh, that piece of ground there and they found 18 bombs, 18 uh, pipe bombs buried there with huge amount of ammunition, a huge amount of of detonators, a huge amount of timing devices. When you say pipe bombs, you mean sure. a traditional little pipe bomb that you no. see? No, that, like this is, you can't, this is, this was, you know, a Cetalian bomb, a Cetalian um, pipe. Uh, oh, it's almost like these big oxygen big, cylinders. Big, big oxygen, exactly. Those tall gas cylinders okay. you see. Exactly, that was it was. Wow, that was it was. that's so, huge. Yeah, that's huge, huge. So later on, we tested one of them, packed it with uh, 45, no, 35 kilograms of, of, of info. And we exploded it. Now, if you go back to the old Pretoria uh, car bomb, way back in the, in the 83. Church with the Church Street, Church Street car, car bomb. Okay. That was considered only 50 kilograms. And if you imagine how many damage that made, mm. put this 35 kilograms into a, a, a pipe, uh, into a vehicle. Uh, oh. The damage that would have caught of all the scrap shrapnel was put up in the mains. And there were how many of those? 18. Jeez. 18, we recovered all 18 of them there. Um, well, by that night, I was appointed the investigating officer of the case. But now, I just want to put this in a timeline because there were some bombs that went off. Is what you're describing yeah. now before those yeah. other bombs yeah. went before, off? Okay. Bef before the bombs went off. <coughs> so this we recovered. Um, so this area, the, this phase, the, sorry, the first phase of, 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 of um, the, the, the document 12 plans, we call it the document 12 phase. The second phase I'm speaking now on the 13th of December was the Popeye phase. Then, unbeknown to us, or known to us, that 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 Aaron um, uh, and six other persons uh, fled on the day of the of, of the fifteenth at that farm, very early morning, yeah. and they became the bomber group that travelled uh, the country. They became hunted. So then, I was I was as I said, I was appointed the, the, the investigating officer, and. Um, then the Soweto bombs went off, nine bombs went off. What date was that then? Uh, 20, which I'll get back, I'm not sure of the date. What now. month was yeah. that? 2002, uh, in November and December. Yeah, November, okay. yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. October, yeah, late October, sorry, yes. Okay. The Soweto so you'd been onto these guys in September yeah, with the initial so, stuff yeah, at the farms, yeah, yeah. and now we're jumping to... From, from the 15th of September, oh, by, by the 4th of October, yes, by the 4th of October, I was in, uh, appointed of, uh, as an investigating officer. I think I think the twenty seventh of October the first bombs exploded. Um, yes, in in in, um, in Soweto. 
Yeah. Where one lady was killed, Claudia Mocconi. That was the target there was a railway line. Yes. So it wasn't per se a targeting a residential area. No, but what the plan was again to to, case, to cause chaos. Um, by that time, all the Soviet residents' main means of transport to work was by railway. Yeah. And they exploded uh, seven bombs around the railway lines. Oh, wow, so we that took, many. Yeah, to 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 <coughs> to disrupt the railway commute to uh, and expect um, them to to rise up and then start with riots. Eh? They also exploded the bomb at 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 at, at the mosque uh, imam, uh, the mosque in in Soweto, in Dlamini. The pure reason for that is um, when they saw the we did the reconnaissance day. I learned later on. They saw this uh, white lady driving with a black imam going into the mosque. And that was the reason for targeting the Just mosque. Just that. Just that, targeting the mosque. And then also later that day, uh, a bomb exploded at the, at the Buddhist temple in Ibroko Spreit. Uh, oh, there's two, a huge center they've got yes, out there. Yes, yes. With two people injured there. So, but, but luckily and sadly, mm-hmm. only one person died, that is Claudia Mokoni. A piece of the railway line uh, in Lenz uh, was flown 500 meters through the air. I went through a shack. A roof and, and de- decapitated. Uh, sure. um, but do you think that, I mean, look, they were very, they, one of their main, besides race motivated, was a, they were strongly religious in their version of Christianity. So could that also be the targeting of the, the mosque and the uh, the Buddhist temple would coming from that kind of religious view? For sure. That, for sure. The, the religion that they followed, all of them is Israel vision religion. It's a very strange religion in South Africa. It originates from the British Israel vision from the 1700s in, in the UK, um, and, and where they see the, 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 the African community or the African nation, the, the black nation as a lesser per- person, Hitler called him Untermensch, mm-hmm. um, and they can be killed without any, uh, being, being feeling sorry for anything or without any remorse for that. Um, so that was a religion, uh, and that's why they targeted the mosque, and they targeted the uh, the the, 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 the the Buddhist temple also. But that's specifically what was because they just saw the white yeah, guy with yeah, that. Yeah, so they said, yeah. well, that's the one we're going to target yeah, yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, bigger picture, I mean, you're going from murder, you know, murder type cases, etc., to terrorism. How do you transition? Do you get taken into a room by like some police intelligence person that goes, okay, I'm going to break it down for you now. I'm going to tell you the secrets. <laughs> you know, for me, it was a learning, um, learning, learning as you go along. It was a learning go as you go along. Um, as I said, I stick to, to, to the basic principles of, of, of investigation. Uh, just going back to the timeline, uh, uh, September 11 was 2001. Yeah. Uh, September 13 was 2002. Yeah. So, so that is the yeah. time it uh, close to the September 11 mm. um, uh, date, date specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the bombs go off in Soweto. Um, the mosque and the Bronco Sprite uh, um, Buddhist temple. What sort of what happens in next? Yes. Then, um, then we, we, we identified most of them and we put out a, 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 a all persons bulletin pictures in the newspapers of, of all six of them, seven of them, uh, six of them running around the country. We reserved thousands and thousands of old schools uh, running, having established another teams to to follow up on the old schools. Mm. Um, then the bombing in, in, in uh, Port Edward at the bridge. No, no, sorry. The, the day the Springboks lost to, 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 the, the, to, to England on Twickenham. Okay. That very sad day with the big, big loss. <laughs> they, uh, they, a bomb exploded at our uh, police airport. Oh, yes. 
Yes. In okay. in Grand, Grand, Grand Central Airport. Okay. It has destroyed uh, the whole building <coughs> as well as destroyed uh, one of our fixed wing and two of our helicopters destroyed there. The motive for that was that later on established is that they, uh, because we were, we were hunting them with, with the helicopters, they wanted to destroy the helicopters. Okay. So they were pretty proficient bomb makers. Yes, yes. Very, very. Now the bomb maker itself, um, I'm going to know him very well afterwards. In, the, in every group, like this, there's one guy that builds the bombs, uh, and, and he used his used his own recipe okay. and his own uh, timing device that suits him the best. And when we searched one of the places, we found the, the book called the um, Anarchist yeah. Cookbook. Cookbook. Okay. Um, and he's I've actually ordered that for Christmas for myself. You can get it on take a lot. Uh-huh. Bizarre thing. <laughs> Such a festive gift for yourself, Gerard. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried about what the FBI is going to do to you. <laughs> So that, uh, I have that book also, uh, already have it, so um, the, 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 the recipe for the, for the explosive is ANFO, ammonium nitrate, is straight from the book. And, uh, and that's, um, like a, that's, okay. a, that's a fertilizer, isn't it? Yes, yes, first fertilizer, yeah, you, you buy it at, at, at the local corporation KAN, and then you have, removed the, you have to remove by a process the kalium from it, and behind state ammonium nitrate, you mix it with a certain percentage of, 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 of diesel, and you put in a booster, and... And that was, wasn't that what Don't the guy Don't try this from, at home, no, kids. No, sorry, please. <laughs> yeah, the, I, the, the, the guy from um, uh, um, in America, yes, what's the, his name? The, the, uh, the Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma bomber. Yeah. Yes. Use exactly the same. same so it's massively yes, yes. effective. It's effective. That is what they use in the, uh, in the mines also. Uh, that is what, okay. what they use. Well, so, I mean, that kind of damage, I mean, people can visit. If you can visualize that what building, that side of, or Google what the side of that building yeah. looked like, Oklahoma could give you a good context of the kinds of bombs these guys were yeah. developing. That's incredible. Yeah, so 162 people killed there, of which was uh, 90 was children, children yeah. from a crash there. Yeah. Um, that was the things that they, that they used. Um, uh, were so they themselves, like, had they had military training in bomb making, or did they just kind of decide, oh, I'm going to become the bomb maker, I'm going to follow this recipe? So it is an interesting compilation yeah. of people in the Burumach itself. When, when, we, when we finally uh, went to court, accused number one was, was a professor in physiology uh, uh, in, in, in um, university, number two was a captain in the police, three was engineer, four was a, was a bookkeeper, and if you go through, there was another two engineers. There was uh, two Do- doctors, two doctors, medical doctors. Um, there was quite a lot of, of farmers, and there was three uh, high-ranking uh, South African National Defence Force officers, also among them, that was involved in the in the wars in the eighties against uh, Opla, so, uh, Fapla, and those in in, in Angola. Okay. So, so intel- uh, intellectually smart people. Yes, yeah, very, yeah. very smart people. Very, very smart people. Uh, very learned people. Uh, and you knew quite a lot of these people yes. from just living where you lived. So, so me staying in Bella Bella, um, um, in, I, had three, I have three children. Um, during the time I was busy with this case, uh, my, my, my children's math teacher was accused number 17. Wow. wow. My children's Afrikaans teacher was accused number 18's mother-in-law. Sure. Accused number two, number three, number four was the was the teacher at the high school uh, where he did the computer or wow. IT teacher. Wow. I mean, did you feel like the community was kind of pissed off with you for your role in this mm. investigation, or a, did you? A certain part of the community was. Um, uh, I, I, I was. I was. I still is well known in that area, and I. Uh, because of the good of the work I did on mm. the murder, Robbie Unis solving the, the farm attacks, 
well loved also and still yeah. well loved mm. in that area. Yeah, that's for sure. So so we as a family, uh, we had the opportunity to, to decide whether we're going to move to Pretoria and get away from the threats that the, in the in the worst was threats against us. Mm. But we as a family said no. We not we did not nothing wrong. We're not going to be intimidated. Sure. So we put some, certain security. Um, steps in place and, and we stay still staying at exactly the same house what so even as you your kind of career has expanded in this in this area where you are coming into contact with more and more terrorist groups you haven't had to amend your lifestyle dramatically to to kind of account for the threat no, no, what, what what the police that they 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 did place a armed guard in front of my house for, okay. for 10 years so there was my, my house was protected and then also uh, secured my house by by certain uh, security okay. aspects, okay. and uh, uh, went about and and, and uh, my all my children was was then also teach some some skills to protect themselves. Mm. Absolutely, um, just to protect themselves. So my eldest daughter, uh, by the by, what the skills she acquired, she became a Bisley shot and uh, uh, got a bronze medal at the South African Bisley Championships. Wow. Oh. So I'm a hunter, and my uh, brother is a hunter. Uh, we keen hunters, but we don't take her to the field with us because she <laughs> she embarrasses us. Uh, okay. <laughs> so yes, that's so interesting. You don't think about that, yeah. you know. You really yeah. do have to. The, and I mean, the, I even remember at our offices because so you were you guys were based in the same building that the investigative psychology unit was based in. And I just remember one day, all of a sudden, now there's guards searching our cars every time we go in and out. We were like a bit pissed off because it really <laughs> yeah. made our lives a bit miserable, yeah. but that was because of this investigation. Yes, yes, yes. Oh. So, so we all became targets. Um, and then all, all I'm investigating officers' houses was not only me, it was also protected okay. by the police. Okay. And we were looked well after. Um, uh, the first time um, that I experienced in my life that, uh, that the police really, really did... Um, Took the threat seriously and, and, and take care of the members. Did you have mentorship? Were there any individuals in this period that were, you know, maybe old hats in kind of the terrorism game that that you had the opportunity to interact with in this period? Or was nah. it really just you finding your way with your team? It was me and my team finding our way. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was a new form of terrorism yes, because, yeah. I mean, we didn't okay. have right-wing terrorism really before that because the right you could almost say the right-wing was in charge of the country I suppose yeah exactly. getting what they wanted to yeah. some degree yeah, yeah the last, last right-wing um, terrorism was in 92-93 when the Worcester bombings and that kind of stuff uh, and the bombings at at um, at, at Ortambul, uh, airport mm. so this was a, a, a 10 year of quietness yeah uh, suddenly and all the old people that uh, during that time in 92-93 were already gone they were all of the old security branch. So there's only a little few of the old security branch left uh, and nobody uh, yeah. to teach us. So, but as I said, we stick to our basic, yeah. basic principles of investigating. Gathering evidence, yeah, find yeah. the suspect. And, and then the important for me, what I did is uh, going back to, to the training that I received from psychological motivated courses. I, that uh, training, I wanted to understand what I'm working with. Mm. Uh, so, so, what one thing I saw, uh, the, the books of Sina Farensberg, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting person that lived in the, in the anglo Boer War and died in 1922. These persons were, were followers of his... Uh, and he's seen, seen, sorry, just for people who don't know, he's kind of like seen as African prophet, uh, seer of the future. Yes. He had sort of dreams that kind of predicted... The African and Nostradamus. And Nostradamus, there you go. He was an right. African version of Nostradamus, yeah. yes. yeah. And, and, and uh, okay. he, he became well... 
noticed during his time, he was in, in Cruz de la Reis Commando on the war, and he, he frequently um, saved them with his vision. So he said, the, the English is going to attack us, let's move. And then it, they moved in time. Okay. Um, so then he had quite a, a lot of visions of a certain down, but um, during the years he died in 1922, uh, uh, his visions was, was, was um, explained by different people. And, and, and what, how they, how they uh, change it and the meaning of the visions is, is, is now the problem that we have for, for Sinopharians. Well, it's what people do with the Bible and yes. the Quran. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody yeah. wants to twist things yeah. to their own. Interpret it for yeah. your personal belief system. Yeah, yeah. So, so in the, in the, in the, in the visions, there's uh, one, I think it's 301. Um, they talk about the night of the long knives. Um, uh, and the, uh, a black leader is going to die and going to be lowered in the grave and from the grave they will jump young guys of other guys and start killing the white people. So they call that uh, a night of the long knives. And the whole motive of them for exploding the bombs is to start the racial war, to trigger this night of the long knives. Trigger the prophecy. Yeah. Trigger the prophecy. They don't want, want, want the prophecy to, to, uh, to, to happen, they want to trigger it and yeah. start a racial war with it. So I suppose that's almost where you get like your, your intelligence. Like I said, there were smart people in this, yes. um, academically, very yes. highly qualified. Yes. But your belief system kind of, in a way, takes over that. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, you know, I, I imagine with, with a murderer, the mo you know, you're, you've got to understand more about the fantasy, what's driving yes. someone to kind of commit the crimes and to have a particular modus operandi. And I hear it's about the philosophy, isn't it? Yes. So you Learning, don't think with your logic. As much as you're following yeah. the case and the clues where they lead you, you have to study and become knowledgeable of the underlying philosophy mm -hmm. that is motivating what this group is doing. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. I studied the book of Sina Farens, all the books of him. I even gave Gerard one of them to, to study and give me interpretation of it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, being a red wine lover, uh, that book you have to take with a glass of red wine. Okay. <laughs> it's not easy to <laughs> understand mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And then also um, learning that they that they follow the Israel vision religion. Um, I also had to study the religion um, and the in-depth study of the religion itself. And um, once once we arrested them later on. Uh, in interviewing them and, 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 uh, and interrogating them, it is easy. Yeah. Uh, if, if they say, Sinafarespa said that, I say, no, you're wrong. On, on vision number seven, so he said that. Then they have no, they see that you have superior knowledge. Okay. Going back to but David and Bengwa, me knowing exactly about his grown his, his, his early childhood days, that's triggered him to make a confession. Hmm. So going back hmm. to this guy's have a superior knowledge than they on Sinafarespa yeah. and, the, and the religion made them to to understand that they were walking out of a, of a, of a Yeah, they can't just talk around in circles yeah, and, and, and mislead and, and, you. And motivate the crimes. The sinner said that, the sinner said that. And, and the sinner doesn't say they, that is interpretation that you know, what you're working on there. Yeah. So that, that, that triggered me actually into the, um, into, into, into the right-wing extremist um, investigation and understanding um, how they think. Yeah. Um, so how do you, as an Afrikaner, feel about that worldview just so you know where do you place it in you know how do you no i'm not asking you do you do you agree with that i'm not saying that i mean just how do you feel that that those types of philosophies exist amongst kind of you know the afrikaans people being, being an agnostic person myself um is is, is a religion is, is just another book i'm studying sure. the, the quran i'm studying the bible i'm studying the Salvation book of remembrance 
I'm starting currently the 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 um, uh, what is the the, the Jewish Bible uh, for another case. Uh, so the Torah, least, uh, Torah, the yeah, Torah, yeah. yes. Uh, it's just another book for me to, to read. Yes, yeah. is, is that. And is that? and this, this is always, if I can jump. I mean, this is always extremism. Yes, it's never. Yeah. It's like what mm. you know ISIS is doing mm. is yeah. not Islam, yeah. and what these guys are doing is not Afrikaner. That's what, I guess that's my point, religion, isn't it? Yes. Because it it undermines a lot of just what would be maybe just basic Christian values. Mm. A lot of these things, you know. Mm. Yeah, that is exactly that. Exactly, they they take it too far, and the yeah. interpretation of whatever there is. If you look at um, the Bibles that we or the or the um, book of remembers that we confiscated from the Buddha Mahkaiyis, underline certain parts in the in the Bible, and if you just take those lines and you put it together in one story, it's a completely different yeah. sequence of what happens. But it motivates and mm. that, that justifies what they do they were doing. Mm. But if you read through the whole, there's nothing wrong with the Book of Remembers. Yeah, there's nothing wrong apart from the calling. They have different views of it, but. Taking those little parts out of it is, 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 is mm. makes comes down to a very extremist, yeah. uh, a religious extremist view. Yeah, you could probably get a love story out of a Stephen King novel if you just highlighted certain yes. words and sentences. That is the same, the same okay. with the Quran. When I started working on ISIS, same with the Quran. Some of the Qurans they confiscated and I studied, I could see exactly the same. Uh, they, they just take certain parts and put it together and then they justify yeah. the, the actions mm. there. So the religious part of this is, is, is a very interesting part to mm. study. Uh, but you have to be objective. Um, I go back to the to the uh, Calvin, uh, uh, the Bible uh, that uh, most of us know, very often, and to see what 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 the version uh, that we believe in yeah. or believed in is is is, is there. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you compare it with what what the other other books uh, is saying there. Yeah. So yes, that is a very con- um, my English word for that is con- uh, contiesa. Uh, that is a very, very um, dangerous area to work on, to, to compare religions of each other. But it's a very interesting mm, area to yeah. work on, to, to compare religions of each other. So just in the timeline, so we've had the Soweto bombs going off. We jump forward a little bit. You've got the police air wing in Midrand, uh, Grand Central Airport, destroying, you know, going off there, destroying some of the choppers and the planes. What was next for the Burma? Then, then the, there was an explosion at, at the, the Wuma Bridge. Uh, across from the Eastern Cape to Kozunotala, just close to Port Edward, uh, where they uh, tried to destroy the bridge there. And are they still trying to trigger off this yes. prophecy? Okay. Yes, the reason for that is to, to, to that, that is the only, uh, only transport, uh, only, only way of transport between the Eastern Cape and Kozunotala was that bridge. They wanted to destroy it so that they, they could start the racial war. Mm-hmm. Then, um, at that time, I was called into Jackie Zalebe's office five o'clock in the morning to explain why I'm not catching these people. And it's the same crowd. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 well, I told him, just give me time. Mm-hmm. So by the 11th of December, uh, the 10th of December, uh, uh, we we managed to, to have an uh, informer and we ambushed uh, two, of, two of them into a, a, a lure into a trap in Pretoria at North Park in Rittendale where we arrested Rudy House and Valhalla Pretorius. Um, I remember this. Yeah, yeah late, late, it. late at night. Um, so Rudy House is also one of Harold Farouin's commander members at, from Bella Bella. He knows me very well. I took him aside and sat him down on that tree and we had a discussion. And his first words, words was to me, Wim, 
So you can remember. Uncle, yeah. Yeah, so you can see he was, he's, he's, he's at respect his name. Yeah. I told him I really wish that is for the guys. And he then first told me that there's a house close hereby where we stay in Pretoria. And there's also the other guys most probably are in, 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 in Port Edward in the, in the house there. Um, so we went, uh, we took the task force, we went to the house in Pretoria, entered the place, there was nothing there, we secured the scene. Um, was there equipment or anything? Yeah, there was no, it was empty, okay. empty, okay. empty, there was nothing there, but we had, from, 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 from the site, could, couldn't even see that was people staying there. Um, then um, we, we arranged an aircraft, we flew down to, to, to market that same night, uh, landed there, went with uh, uh, a double uh, task force to the house in, in Port Edward, entered the house there, the task force caused uh, 25,000 rand of damage wow. <laughs> entering the house there, sure. find nothing, flew back, um, when I arrived in, 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 in Waterloo, when I switched on my phone, there was lots of messages and they said no. They arrested some people, but they don't know who it is. Well, colleague Yanni the Lange was the one who's phoning me. Okay. So I arrested the scene here in, in Eastland. This is for, just for the listeners, this is before Yanni came to our unit. Yes, yeah, he was still part of our, <laughs> our unit there, yes, yeah. So I arrested the, to, the, to, to the scene, the arrest scene there, uh, opened the back of the police van, and there was Herman van Rooyen sitting with another guy from Bella Bella, Dion Kraus. And this wasn't a, like a coincidental arrest. No, they no. were doing following yeah, yeah. investigation. So what happened there is uh, the safe house uh, that we, or the house that we, uh, we identified in in, uh, in Pretoria and Lickendale, uh, when we left it uh, for the next morning to be processed by crime scene manager, mm-hmm. um, we left behind two task force guys, Nicky van der Berg, another guy, uh, left him behind to guard the house. Now for a task force member, they're not, they not guards. There was a huge fight, but those two stayed behind. And as as they were standing across the street, they came, uh, drove past a, a white uh, pickup truck, a Corsa pickup truck, tried to turn into the into the premises, and then continuing on, and they start following this this pickup. At the end of the Hansburg Road, they, they managed to stop them, uh, and there was a huge fist fight between Nicky and, and Erman van der Rooyen was a driver. Erman van der Rooyen tried to, to shoot at them. Oof. But unfortunately, Nikki. Fortunately, Nikki was uh, one of the boxing champs in the police. So okay. um, he came second. Picked the wrong fight. Yeah, yeah. Picked the wrong fight. Um, two police girls that were stationed in Santon uh, went to to their mother's house in Camildrif unlawfully to, to to drink coffee for a night shift, and they drove past. And they saw the story, and then they. We were giving the handcuffs to, to, to Nikki and the other task force women, the handcuffs to these two guys and kept them there. Were they in uniform, yeah. the Nikki and Nikki? And um, task force uniform, yeah. yes, yeah. Those cameras, yeah. Yes. Um, so that, that vehicle, that Corsa Bucky at the back, had a 365 kilogram bomb on it Jesus. with a detonator. 365 kilograms? Yes, yes. Uh, so that, that Corsa was, was supposed, we found out later, was supposed to, to be parked uh, in, 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 in Blood Street at the Blood Street taxi rank. And sure. on, on two days later, on the 13th of December, 2002. Wow. My God, that would have been... Yeah. Wow. So... What kind of damage are we talking about from that size we, we bomb did, here? We did We're talking Oklahoma City size? Is that... Yeah, we, we did an estimation about 3,000 uh, 3, casualties. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the, how many people would, be, would have been there... That's a huge taxi rank in Huge Victoria. taxi rank. is double the size of the Oklahoma <coughs> bomb. Uh, so Double. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it been, uh, and there's buildings around there. Yes, uh, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, just a taxi yeah, rank. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
Wenn wir, wenn, wenn wir, wenn ich, äh, ich hoofd von Rojenen und die Jung Kraus zu der Office hat, wie Gerard was auch so sitting, und ich tue Kraus zu sein, just rewind a bit. Early in, in, early in, this, uh, in this investigation, I asked Gerard, um, when I identified this group of bombers, I asked him, who would you say is the weakest part? Link, and who's, who's the Who's the leaders? Hmm. And he told me, uh, Johan Turis and Werner van Rooyen, who must probably be the leaders, and the weakest one will be Gauss and, and, and Kraus. And exactly. So compliments to Gerard. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> compliments to Gerard. So that was happy. So wow. I took, I specifically by, by his advice, okay. talked to those two guys. And, and, and uh, the power of good collaboration. Dion <laughs> uh, Kraus. Ach, within minutes, he said, no, okay, the, the, the rest of the guys are at the factory. Um, uh, and the factory is, is, is up in the northern parts of, of Limpopo on a farm. And it was hurry up because they are on their way down. They're bringing the rest of the explosives and the rest of the bombs up, down. They're going uh, to have an operation on Friday the 13th. This sounds like a lot of information to be handing over. Yeah. I mean... You just kind of have a nice conversation, and they're offering this information yeah. freely. Or yeah, how yeah. you? There must be some. You know, are you offering them? You know, how, yeah. How are you getting them to talk? Well, because they know me. Okay, they, they knew okay. me. They knew me from okay. from from Bella Bella. I was uh, part of the fact that I was very popular due to the farm attacks. Uh, the murder robbery unit was also very notorious. Mm. Uh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yes, old, so they knew. They just knew that they needed yeah. to kind all, of. All, they caught. They must fess up. Yeah. So uh, although I would not would have gone to that links with the murder Robbie Jones was usually accused of, but um, yes, a journalist once phrased it like this. She said that the old murder and robbery units used to have. They 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 practiced. They had dubious means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 stay to that. Leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, leave yeah. it at that. So the Dion usually uh, within within a few uh, minutes he, he gave us information where the farm is. He even told us that the, in that Corsa, on the dash of the Corsa, is a GPS device, a very old Garmin, the, the black ones with, with the with the aerial, up antenna, yeah. Yes, <laughs> up antenna. And there on the on that Garmin there's a, um, a waypoint CVS that we must get, and that's the exact coordinates of the of the of the farm uh, and where the camp is, where the factory is. Oh wow, that's handy. So I found uh, Mark Ankle that was on the scene and told him, please. Got crime intelligence. Yeah, 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 yes. I had no knowledge about G- GPSs. Left behind in the, in the electronic world site. <laughs> but he was quite quite knowledgeable. He went there, he took the GPS, he gave us a coordinates. Mike Fryer, the late Mike Fryer, was with, with us there in, in, in Peter Bear building. I told him what it, exactly what, what I have. Uh, he, and, he went to Dion and he discussed practically Mike discussed practically to him what how the crime, how the scene looks like, etc. Okay. We had a GPS. Then we um, we planned on one o'clock that afternoon. We we we, we um, departed from the airport in Pretoria. One uh, Oryx and four of, um, police choppers. Full the Oryx is the, the big military. The big military yeah, choppers yeah. that you sometimes yeah. see flying around. Yes, yeah, and and, and, and four um, uh, BKs, uh, police choppers, and one fixed wing. That was already put uh, out the sporter that's already up in the air. Um, so we were following the R1 and uh, R101 and the uh, in one because we had to know how the, the vehicle was traveling, trying to see whether you can get the yeah. vehicle on the road. Um, 
the fixed wing was already uh, circling around the, 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 uh, the area up in, in, in Baltimore. They said, no, they see movement down, down there. And so we said, okay, if you see movement down there, just stay away and, and just keep us in the rest. So the whole group of us landed at, at the police, the same police station, Gilead Police Station, um, on, the, on, on the field next to the police station. And we refueled the choppers and we moved the task force members for the fast roping, etc. I was flying in the, in the Oryx. Mm. With, with Louis Bester mm-hmm. and Andre um, Roos. Mm-hmm. The rest are all tactical guys. We're the only detectors on the on, on the chopper. So our, uh, they said to us, okay, we have no, you have no training, but what you have to do, we're going to fast rope from the from the Oryx down onto the scene. What you guys must do is once the last guy is on the ground, you must pull the, the pin so that the, the, the rope can, you cannot fly with the rope, the rope must also fall off. Okay. So, uh, the whole, time, the whole time that the task force guys could see, I was very nauseous because I've been flying <laughs> around, <laughs> and they were, you could see they were, they were, were, were teasing me for that. And I said, okay. "I'm going to pull this." Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Said, no, 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 no. Um, I had the right hand door, uh, so I was uh, when the chopper came in, uh, operational treetop eye. That was like apocalypse now. If mm. you, uh, I mean, we're talking adventure. Here we go. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the, exactly. the adventures. Adventure, yeah. absolute adventure. We came in on treetop high, the chopper was banking, and the task force guys were just going past me down the road, down wow. the road, down the road. And the last guy was down, I was looking at the seas on the ground, and I pulled the pin. I see the other, other side, all the pin is pulled, and we lifted it up. And as we lifted it up, I looked down and see it. There's three guys laying on the ground with task force guys standing. Wow. Oh, already on the ground, yeah. Within seconds. Amazing. Within seconds. So we, um, Mike Fryer was in his own chopper. He, I think from 30 feet up, he jumped out of the chopper. That's <laughs> how excited he was. Sure. Um, so we landed eventually. So he was there at the task force, just, yeah. just yeah. before people. Yeah, yeah, he's, legend, yeah. yeah, he's a legend in the yeah. task force. Okay. Best operator ever. Good friend of mine also used to be a good friend. And later became a general for the UN. Yes. In Africa, doing some stuff. He was working with the UN. So um, eventually when we landed uh, with the big chopper, I walked towards the scene and I found the Kubus Petouris, Johan and Johan Petouris laying on the ground, another young guy laying on the ground. And I recognized the two Petouris brothers. I gave them the normal warnings. And the other young guy said, who are you? I said, I'm Chuck Jordan. I said, what are you doing here? So I moved them, showing his head to that other two. I said, okay, cover them and move them aside. Uh, there was also uh, in one of the other choppers, two bomb, bomb squad guys. I said, okay, you guys first going to the camp because uh, Leon Kraus told us that this is the factory mm. that they manufactured. They went in and they said, let's secure this crime scene. Mm. Let's secure this crime scene. There's lots of work. They have to get more people here. Mm-hmm. So they, they flew off to, with, with, um, with the accused or the suspects, to Pretoria, Louis and them, leaving me behind with the two bomb squad guys. At that time, I was still smoking. And with with the task force guys also, or just the and, three of you? Yeah, only the three of us. Really? Yeah, just left us behind. And I'm guessing, because I know you, you typically don't carry a firearm, yeah. you didn't have a firearm with you. Yeah, I didn't have a firearm. <laughs> the bomb squad doesn't have firearms. But there was firearms in the tent, so we were told by the bomb squad, like, okay. there's firearms the bad guys the tent, so, okay. so if it if last yeah. resort, we can go to the tent. So. so you're basically guarding the three of you, a terrorist camp. Yes. You don't know who else could be. <laughs> Hiding in the bushes, yeah. So, but eventually, the, 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 uh, my colleagues uh, arranged, uh, arrived, arrived at the scene. Um, as I said, I was still smoking, and by that time, my smokes ran out. And I told everybody I spoke to, I said, bring smokes, bring smokes. <laughs> but by the end of that night, I had about 
12 cartons of smokes. Sure. <laughs> so that night we slept over, we secured the scene, we get local policemen to, to, to secure the scene, uh, guard the scene. Uh, we slept in a, in a farm in a, close by a friend of mine's farm. Well, that's the area they work. Yeah. Around and I just found Fricky and I said, Ah, Fricky, do you have sleep placing, uh, sleep place to sleep for 20 of us? By then, the, uh, all the crime scene members, all the explosive members, my members was arriving there. We uh, went in, uh, we slept. Next morning, first light, we started processing the scene. Recovered uh, 12 uh, automatic, semi automatic firearms there. So were they from the military? Were mili- they privately mili- owned? Yeah, military, privately owned, okay. and stolen. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, two and a half tons of explosives. Jeez. Yeah, two and a half tons. Ready to be put into a bomb. Ready to be applied, put Jeez. in a bomb with, uh, with the bomb builder's toolbox. That's maybe one of the important things that I learned that that's a bomb builder has his own toolbox where he's okay. all the components of the timing yeah. devices was in there, everything. Was that the young guy that yeah, you. Yeah, Kubas, no, Kubas Petorius. He was like a sentence, yeah. Um, so we found it there, uh, and by then um, we spent there. I turned forty on that scene that day, and that day I I, I smoked. What's well, a good birthday present? Eh? <laughs> I must say uh, I would be quite chuffed yeah, with that. I, I, I smoked about 160 cigarettes, and I oh. decided to myself, "You're going to kill yourself." Yeah. So by the end of that year, I stopped smoking and never smoked a cigarette and, again. Yeah. But um, that is just a personal yeah, yeah. part of it. So, but anyways, everybody thought, okay, now the threat is gone, the case is finished. So, no, the case is only, this, only mm-hmm. the, this, the end of yeah. the beginning now. Now the court case has to start. Sure. So, so we took a little breather there and uh, we're back because um, uh, uh, I mean we're actually just sitting here in our little break here discussing how much we have to talk, talk about, about yeah. so guys I think you can look forward to a number of episodes with Worm Tolly and um, give us your feedback discussing I mean, this is the first time we're touching on this kind of concept is yeah. it what do you think about it is it fascinating to you do you want to hear more of this kind of you know absolutely the world of terrorism and specific questions for absolutely. the man himself that you might have please well, do send them in or particular topics um, uh, related to you know that kind of related to the Worms, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just gonna be sorry. So I'm gonna do the worm thing from now on because no you're right. Respect. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, so you know, any topics that are of interest to you that could become an episode as well, let us know. But where were we? Okay. So basically, in a nutshell, we've gone from September of that year to December. You've had the bombs going off in Soweto, the bomb at Port Edward, the bomb at the police air wing. You've caught the last of the main guys by that farm that we just discussed where you guys all landed with the chopper and you left behind that was sort of december of that same year so very fast actually i would say yes in terms of um, the size of of people you're not you know it's not one murder you're talking about an organization but that's of course not the end of it yeah so yes that's only the the the, the end of the beginning uh so we had uh we went to court the first appearance of court and we immediately 
um, transferred to the High Court. And the uh, Chief Justice of uh, North Gauteng said you have time until the 13th of May to prepare your case and the trial will Jeez, start. Really? Yes. The trial, whole case? The whole case, the trial will start. And how many defendants or suspects? Uh, at that stage, we charged 23 suspects. We had 23 suspects in the dock. Yeah. Um, All facing the basic, the same charges? Same, exactly the same indictment. Uh, high treason as, as, as the main charge, and 43 other charges, including uh, sabotage on the Old Terrorism Act of uh, 50, 1954. How daunting a task is that in the time frame, just to kind of contextualize for that, people? That is, that is like eating an elephant. Um, you have to, don't, that, don't look at the elephant, you have to eat knife, fork by fork. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, and that, that's how we did it. Okay. And how many people were helping you with the investigation? We had 10. We had 10. 10, yeah. I, I, uh, I once presented this case at, at, in Boston at, at the FBI, um, uh, one of the and the, the question to them was, uh, sorry, how many case workers did you have? I said 10. They said they would have yeah. 2,000. I said, yeah. how do you manage 2,000 case workers? That's impossible. I mm-hmm. could manage 10 case workers. So we, I had my investigation plan and it worked excellent. Uh, my, my old team, Captain Weiss, uh, uh, Warrant Officer Grunewald von Jerden, Delport, um, lots of them. Um, assisted me and we did excellent hard work, we did excellent work and they were committed to this case and, and, and we, we worked it during our, what there was a two or a few firsts in, 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 in South African investigation techniques it's the first time that we downloaded a, a computer really? yes, okay. yes uh, by Bill Grobler um, yeah. was, yes, one of the, uh, the legend in the legend, cyber cyber legend in the cyberspace he's also uh, recently retired yes, uh, recently mm-hmm. retired so I remember I, I said um, the first phase was document 12. That was a, we, had, we recovered a printed uh, part of it. So you downloaded Mike the Toys computer where the document 12 was created, and you find 35 versions of that document on the computer. Is that their manifesto? Is that, is yes, that, is that their that, plan? Or is this is like, this is what we no, are, what we want to achieve? No, no, that, that's a plan. That's a physical okay. attack plan. Okay. But they find f- uh, 35 versions in, 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 pro- in stage of progressing. As you attend at the meeting, and then I learned about Slack files and all kind of stuff that uh, was in door. And then the views advised to me, if you wanna, ever want to destroy your hard drive, you use a hammer. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also what he did is he downloaded the GPS devices that you found. Mm. That is the very first time that it ever yeah. was done uh, in a, for a court case. Common, who uh, was the owner of the GPS as well, the company gave us software, gave you software. And from that GPS downloads, we established um, uh, various waypoints that they have there. One waypoint was, for instance, uh, target A. And we sent Yanni, I call it, to that target A. And that's where the one bomb exploded. Target B, second bomb exploded. Wow. So, so we linked that GPSs. How many, how many targets did they have? All the targets. But how many in total were yeah. they on that GPS? Uh, the, so it was uh, nine, ten, uh, there's 12 targets there. And then we found one at, say, Mandela. Up in the northern parts of um, of 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 Limpopo, I'd be curious about it. And I I, I asked Dion Kraus. Uh, he, he was then uh, moved as a possible uh, state witness at Section Two of Four Witness to another uh, uh, holding facility. I asked him, "What is this?" I said, "No, we plan to to blow up to kill Mandela." Sure. I said, "Okay, tell me the story." Hmm. In the meantime, I sent I sent uh, Yanni up to to, to Bolivero area. 
Maar die ons het, die, die red in die pijper dat Mandela, hy is kon maar diebaas kon open a school in, in Molebedo, dat sy het luister met Jadji en Mpopo, en die is, die reken, die doet dit, die connaissance die, en die sê, as only one road having access to that school, so they manufactured a, a 65 kilogram bomb, and they put it in the culvert on the road, on the way to the school, Jeez. and they were laying in the bushes, waiting for the, his convoy to, to cross, cross over the, the culvert, and they will detonate it, and they will kill him. My God. Straightforward. Um, was that scheduled after his, yeah. the, the rest, or would that no, have been? No, that was during the time they were fleeing, that's just between the other bombings. They were, and did it, and, and did yeah. Mandela not, did he not so, go? So, so what happened that day, um, uh, is that uh, the old man was with feeling well, and oh, they flew okay. in with a chopper, oh. and they landed, and they flew out of a chopper, and so they were laying there, the, the onset, they were laying there in the bushes waiting for the convoy to cross over to detonate the bomb. I mean, that's how close it came. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, that is, that would have been, uh, how historic and tragic and terrible an event that would have been. Oh, my God. Our, our take and the judge's take on that was that would have caused the racial war. But they, they were wanting. That would have caused, if a white person killed Mandela sure. in the bomb explosion, that would have called the racial war. Then South Africa sure. would have looked like um, Raqqa, Syria, yeah. any place in, in, in the world, Kosovo, any one of those places, because of a civil war. That would have caused a civil war. But luckily, it didn't happen that day. Um, so the GPS reading that, that the Yanni went to is exactly taken on the culvert wow. where the bomb was supposed to be placed. Wow. And all of that was used as evidence in court, first time in court. Yeah, so that is that is one of the new things that we invented. Um, the court started on the 13th of May 2003. And ironically, uh, we were then sitting, which courtroom were you sitting in at that point? The same courtroom we, and we were sitting in, in that, at, at that stage, we were sitting in the old Palace of Justice where Mandiba was trialed on Arvonia trial. Wow. Exactly the same. They were it's on Church it. Square, it's an yeah, old yes, and yes. it's not really used as a court yeah. really anymore. It was kind of yes, more yeah. the judges had some offices Yeah, the there. offices there. So we're sitting and we also had our own offices in the same building. The investigating team as a prosecuting team, we took up, uh, took up office in the same building and in the basement. I remember that. You actually, your windows looked over at the foot, the yeah, foot, the foot, the foot yes, level yeah, of the yes, side, yeah, of the yeah. sidewalk as you're walking so along. So just there. as a joke, um, we had three boxes of red wine there as a reserve. If they bomb us, and we were, and we were um, trapped, you trapped there. We at least have some red Liquids. wine. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's so ironic that I mean, you're, you they've been on put on trial in the very same yes. courtroom that Mandela was, and a whole bunch of. I mean, how many of those guys did Ravonia yeah. trial with them? A whole bunch of them too. And they were yeah. also downstairs held in the same. Gritters, as Mandela was That's who at like the time were considered terrorists, of course. Yes, yeah, at mean, the time was considered terrorists, yes. Yeah. Then we moved over, because it became logistically a bit difficult, we moved over to the new court, to the new court building, and we used a GD, the exactly the same court that um, uh, Oscar Petueres' trial was, okay, yeah. was building. So okay. we established the, um, a very good security measures. So, yeah, we are very quickly running out of time. Um, um, yeah, the, 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 we're going to have to carry this conversation on. Um, how, what do we? How do we wrap up today? So, so how long was it? This was on trial for how yeah. long? Yeah, so, so this, we ended. We started in twenty thirteen. We ended up in uh, twenty three. We ended up in twenty thirteen. Yes. Two thousand three to twenty thirteen. Yeah, ten years. Ten, ten years. Sure. I spent ten years in court. And they are pretty good lawyers. They didn't have yes. legal aid. They had yeah, privately yeah. appointed top notch. Top notch lawyers, advocates from the, from the bar. Uh, we are also lucky to have uh, senior advocate, brilliant advocates as prosecuting. Uh, they were actually appointed by the World um, 
prosecutors as the best prosecutors for 2014. Wow. Yeah, so you received a... And the judge? Judge was uh, Judge Eben Jordan. A and very, he was a, I mean, he's a well-known judge. Well-known, very yeah. patient judge. And by end of uh, by, uh, 2013, all of them convicted, all of them sentenced to different life imprisonment. Some of them, the leadership uh, received 35 years and some of them received about five years. Uh, some, did some plead guilty at some point? One, one guy, way in the beginning, David Wester, and also were accused number 14. He was also from Bella Bella. Um, he pleaded guilty way back in the beginning uh, and he, uh, on the section uh, 105A plea agreement. And he was sentenced to 12 years imprisonment. By year three of our trial, we uh, went to see him in prison and asked him, are you prepared to testify against your... He said, yes, he's prepared. And then he came, he testified. Without any promises, he testified against his, uh, the, the accused. And then we uh, wrote later to the correctional services that they uh, convert his, his sentence 12 years into uh, correctional supervision. Okay. And he was okay. a decent correctional. So he was out before their trial even finished. No. So, and so those 10 years that they sat awaiting trial, I mean, that didn't get really deducted yeah. from their no. sentence. That's the thing you've yeah. got to understand. Yes. It, was the 10 years plus whatever they got thereafter. Mm-hmm. Some of them got bail during the time. Uh, the lesser offenders got bail. The main uh, um, accused did not, uh, did not get bail. I testified and, and, and su- submitted uh, statements for bail applications, 50 of them. I think it's the case with the most bail applications ever. Uh, so, but I personally uh, post 50, 50 bail applications on various... I think there was one of them where they called a psychologist, a professor from Bloemfontein, and I was asked to just yes. advise the prosecutor. So, yeah, so, so we often called Gerard. When, when the latest status of the court, they brought in... They, all the other excuses was exhausted, so they brought in psychologists, and we called in Gerard to consider us in court and advise uh, our mm-hmm. prosecutor. Our prosecutor is usually was handling that was Dries van Rijnsburg. Yes. Yeah, so. Well, well... Uh, Establishes got a few doctorates in, in, in the law, and he usually attacked the, 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 the psychologist with Gerard's okay. sisters next to him. Okay. And every time we wiped the floor with him, okay. that is, <laughs> that yeah. is so. um, uh, they were sentenced, um, and then uh, some of them have got suspended sentences, and other ones got very lengthy sentences. Um, but nobody, nobody got an actual life sentence. No. So we, we discussed it uh, with the judge. Um, the judge said, uh, during our arguments and aggravation, we 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 we, we proposed life sentence. And judge also, if you if you read the, the the judgment, the judge answered was that what is life? Life is is, is twenty five years. On sixteen years, you get the first time for parole. I'm sentencing this guy to thirty five years imprisonment. Okay, that's longer than life. Hmm. Yeah, that is that is his, his reasoning for that. Okay, and they were all convicted of high treason. And those who convicted uh, that involved in the killing of Claudia was convicted on culpable homicide, where the Dulles Evangelis uh, legal principle was uh, applied, and also for conspiracy to kill Madiba. For that alone, they received 10 years each, mm-hmm. all those guys that conspired. Okay. Do, do you think they still all still believe what they believed back then, or do you think their views have changed? Um, some of the views have changed. I have contact with, uh, some of them already released, and I have, to, uh, I have contact with them um, still now, um, and, and, and the views have changed. Some of them still are still radical. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still some some of them serving time. And I mean, we don't really have time to go into this, but I mean, this then, I mean, the conclusion of this trial, I imagine, is then the beginning of the kind of story of 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 you really being involved in the whole landscape yeah, in South so Africa. Because now you are a stab, yeah. you are in this field, you are 
clearly firmly established and able to apply that knowledge you know wherever it's needed really effectively because as we said today you're the head of counterterrorism investigations for the whole of south africa that's correct i was the go-to guy from there on yeah well, I mean, sure. this has been, a, I mean, yeah, I could, it's just this whole We have tales. a million other questions you know, to I ask, I thought I Gerard. knew the Budamach case just from my own bits and pieces, but <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, either I've forgotten stuff or I've just learned stuff that I didn't know. So this is phenomenal. We'd hope to get through a bunch of other and things. And it even feels like we're just getting the highlights of the case here. Yeah, I mean, just think, we could do it. We should be doing a 10-hour, 10-part series sure. on just this one case. But um, definitely, if you have the time in the future, we definitely want you back to discuss, I mean, just some more of these counterterrorism cases. Viewers, if you want that, please do let us know. But even some of the older cases you worked in in your murder and robbery days, yeah. um, we could speak to you. About so much. And also, I mean, I, what I'd really like to understand is just the reality of, 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 you know, the world of terrorism now as it exists in South Africa. You know, what does the landscape look like? What are and the I think a lot of challenges today? I think quite horrified to hear what actually is taking place inside of our country, not in Mozambique yeah. and other parts where there's terrible things happening, but what's actually going on inside. Yeah. Has South Africa become... A bit of a, a bit of a landing ground for international terrorism, um, you know, more than just this kind of local terrorism that we've been speaking about today. I would love to discuss that as a topic and to yeah. cover would, some would of that. I would gladly discuss it with you in future. Thank no you. problem. If you want to uh, have more knowledge about the Burmach case, um, Karen Mitchell is, is a lady that was uh, a reporter in the court, um, and then she uh, she resigned as a reporter. And she authored a book, a book um, um, called the South African High Treason Club. Okay. White Supremacist uh, is available on um, on Kindle as well as on paperback and Amazon. You can you can uh-huh. order it. Now Gerard is is winning awards for his true crime <laughs> novels. Um, he needs some competition. Yeah, when are we going to see a novel out of you? <laughs> Or your first book? When so, is the I know first? You had a great when is the first book, book out? So, so now. Th- this one is this one is I'm missing now. Uh, South African Hatreds on Clubs, White Supremacists, Burmach Conspiracy on Trial is currently a prescribed book in, in in America for the university, so it's not available mm-hmm. in South okay. Africa on the on the shelf. Exclusive books, okay. Yeah, but you can you can you can order it online from Amazon. Um, myself, um, I'm uh, actually this weekend. Uh, I started with the life of Tolly. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so um, it, it will be, there's quite a lot of, of chapters already written, but it's just to, to put it together. And I, I think it is, it, I think it, I owe it to my, to my family and my children to, to, to leave behind. The yeah. Story. And then you guys will be like competing for the, uh, hey, hey. for future exactly as well. things. <laughs> but I know you've got a rush off, but yes. you're, as I said, well, you're retiring at the end of this month. What do you hope to be doing once you've retired? So my, my biggest hope is, is to share my knowledge and my experience that I gained through all the years um, in South Africa, in any other country that wishes to, to have the experience and be trained. My field of spe- uh, speciality now is investigating of terrorist cases. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and like, I think I can like, contribute to, to any police organization, law enforcement agent. But, but also it would be amazing to understand your relationships with the kind of counter-terrorism oh, yes. community around yes. the world as well. I, Maybe we can, something we can discuss again. Yeah. And because also, but not just for law enforcement, I know you, you were discussing this with me the other day, but also to co- advise corporates because a lot of yeah. corporate companies don't realize what the new laws, Disaster mm-hmm. Management Act and the prevention of um, 
well, basically the Terrorism yeah, Act, let's yeah, call it that, yeah. is going to actually have certain expectations on companies to have certain response plans. And I don't think many yeah. companies really yeah. understand that. And that's an yeah. area where you can consult on. We yes, talk, year, yeah. but uh, I was involved in, a, in, in the amendment of the counterterrorism uh, bill. Um, uh, the, the bill was promulgated in 2003, and I was, it was actually approved in Parliament last week, and I sat with the Portfolio Committee on Tuesday, no, Thursday uh, uh, night last, last week, uh, to explain to them what, what, what the amendment is. So yes, there's this amendments coming that, that put, put more pressure and, and um, obligations on, on, on every South African citizen, uh, and that is, I'm available to, and I'm going to make myself available to assist corporate the corporate world to, to oblige to that obligations and to assist them into preparing plans um, for possible terror attacks. Um, <coughs> I have the knowledge, uh, I'm yeah. available uh, to do that. Well, it, it's, it's on one side, it's extremely sad to know that kind of from a South African police perspective, you know, you, all of your experience will be moving on from that environment, but wonderful to know that you will still be applying all of your incredible knowledge you know, really practically in places that it can help. And I, I just want to say on behalf of the nation, I mean, thank you for your, you know, for your service. And mm. it's just... And I mean, part of that, and I'm going to, I don't know if you were going to mention this, probably not because you're a modest person. Um, you got an award from the U.S. Department of Justice. The Federal Bureau of Investigation is proud to recognize Colonel Tolly Frechtenberg, uh, South African Police Service, for your superb cooperation with the FBI in the development of its mutual efforts against crimes that pose dangers on an international scale. Sure. Since criminal activity now crosses many borders, law enforcement agencies around the world must develop unprecedented levels of cooperation. You have been instrumental in fostering those efforts, and the FBI is grateful for your selfless contributions. And this is signed by Christopher A. Ray, the director of the FBI. You must wow. understand, this is the most powerful person in law enforcement in the world. He's the head of the FBI. This is the, like you said, the J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. When you think, this is this guy. So there, there's, 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 so few, congratulations there's not much higher praise no, than in and the I community. I hope your own service gives you that acknowledgement yeah. too, because that, I don't think this many people in their lives, in the F, even if you work for the FBI, you're not even going to get anything, you don't even email from this dude. Yeah. You're getting a letter of thanks signed by him. So I think that really says... And how lucky are we as as content makers and our listeners that we hopefully have the opportunity that for this to be the first of a number of discussions. So I think that's just... So guys, something to look forward to out there. Thank you so much, Mum Tolly, for your time thank today. You. Um, we need to get you out of here on to your next your next pressing appointment Gerard thank you so much um, for setting this up you're the best um, uh, and yeah we'll be back this is this is just the end of part one of this conversation guys so uh, you know catch the podcast on your favorite platform share it with your friends and uh, we will of course be back again next week with another episode um, so do look out for that but uh, yeah I will cause a pause to the conversation now and we'll see you again thank you Amtuli thank you Gerhard, and uh, we'll hear, we'll speak to you again soon, guys. Have a, enjoy the rest of your week, and um, be safe on New Year's. Yes, absolutely. Have a wonderful New Year. I hope you had a great Christmas. Have a wonderful New Year. Be safe um, out there. Thank okay. you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you.